Good evening. Hey, Ryan. Good evening. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing you? pretty good. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Well, still feeling a little full from the, from dinner, not going to lie. No, well, you know, it happens. You know, eating the wings will make you full. Yeah, they will. Yeah. They'll definitely do that. They'll make you They'll make you full, especially when you get there when they're actually 87, 80 some odd cents a wing instead of like after 8 o'clock. Oh, yeah. So that is that uh, that is prime time. You know, getting that that wing night is always a good thing. It is. It's before eight. I yeah. didn't know that. That's I, interesting. It looked like it was from five. Well, I think I saw somewhere. So like between five and seven is when they said it was. I was like, hey, that works. OK, well, well, we know how to time it now. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. So, yeah, be ah. doing wing night. Just let me know, and I'll leave the house a little bit earlier than normal. So <laughs> that's next, for you too, probably, people. Probably some, probably next month, maybe. Yeah, well, not yeah, not every week. You know, oh, I, no. you know, I'm on, I'm on my, my, my diet. I'm on my diet again, people. Doing the calorie count thing again. So I've got to get a diet. I really should. Hey, it's all good. You can, like I said, I use an app, uh, my fitness app. It helps me. It helped me the first time, and it's helping me again. So, yeah. I, I think actually, you know what? Oddly enough, I was doing my rounds this morning since I'm going into the office uh, three days a week right now. And w one of the new things I do is I walk around the office checking conference rooms and, and things like that. And first few times, it was really rough walking up the stairs in the office. Okay. Today, not so much. So it, it it it's progress. It's slow, but it's progress. Hey, any little bit forward is always a good bit forward. So true. Yeah, it's always good. Working on drinking more water and all that other fun jazz. So water, yeah. people, water. So um, but yeah. So hey, good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode one twenty five of Scuba and the Rye, your weekly dose of entertainment, movies, and. Just, you know, general shenanigans of life. Whatever uh, we talk about, it is here for you, for your pleasures. Yeah, yeah. So, hey, yeah, uh, la last week went really well. Um, episode was up on all of your podcast re references for audio, as well as our, on the YouTube channel. So, able to get through that. So, it's like, yeah, we're just keep on rolling. Yeah, it works. You know, every every platform that you listen or watch, check us out. And there are some more. Like I could say that we just were added to iHeartRadio, uh, Samsung, um, a couple other, a couple other places. But those were the two of the big ones. Uh, we're on Am we're on, we're on the Amazon devices. We're on Apple. We're on Google. Uh, we're on Spotify. I mean, any place you can consume podcast, we are getting there, and and, and so you can check that out. Um, uh, yeah, up. Oh, Rise looking it up on iHeart right now. He's he's gonna try and make me a liar. No, I always just want to find it. So there, there it is. There it is. I see it. I see it. There we go. It is. I mean, I don't. I use Spotify, so I was always curious. So yeah, I was exploring because one of my friends was trying to convince me to change uh, the podcast hosting. Okay. Uh, from what we currently have to another service. So I went and I checked this other service and had them pull over the first two episodes. Or okay. The latest two episodes, which is really kind of embarrassing when I think about it, because it was last week's podcast. And the, before that was like 
uploaded March of 2021. So obviously I'm a little behind in the backlog and in, in the in the archive, so to speak. It's all right. That's okay. All that stuff's on YouTube. We'll get it onto there eventually. Um, but the, th <clears throat> the the comparison was the fact I'm up for renewal for the show for the hosting. And it was like, try to, you know, doing the price shopping. And it's weird how you, you spend a, a X amount of money on some of this digital footprint, whether it's the website, the domain, the, the podcast hosting, all that stuff. And then you go to try to price shop with others. And it's like, it's the same price ish, but it's like, what really weighing, what do I want? What's my trade off? What's the best deal bang for your buck? Well, right now what I've got is I've got unlimited uh, upload size and upload. Uh, I could do 30 episodes at a, in a, in a, at, a, at a time with my current hosting. No restriction on size of pod size of the recording. You can even do audio and video. This other side I was looking at, <clears throat> they let you have like different tiers. You could have the, okay, three hours a, a month six hours a month or 12 hours a month okay their free account gives you two hours but it only holds it for 90 days and then they automatically delete it huh. but the other three it's like okay but the kicker is each additional hour is a fee now if you go the top tier which is 12 hours a month you'll pay three dollars an hour for each additional hour of content you upload to their site the the middle tier is like $4. The low tier is like $5 on top of those times. Now, think about it. Now, we're a pretty fairly, we're a fairly regular show. We have yep. been for several years. And so we would be doing like four hours minimum a month. Yeah, four hours, so give or take. Theoretically, that first tier, psh, gone, not even, not even touching it. Then it brings us to the middle tier. And with the middle tier, it's like, okay six hours a month and all that and of course what my friend is trying to sell me on is he wants to help with the podcast stuff okay the, the back uh uploading the site which i appreciate i love i mean i was a volunteer for a while on some things so i'm never going to turn down volunteers if you're smart you never turn down volunteers never especially people the volunteers getting experience for whatever it is they're helping with and then you're able to get some experience too managing volunteers because Managing employees is one thing. Managing volunteers is a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah, it's a different it's a different ball game. You're like you're playing in the major leagues and then you're playing in the major leagues with a twist. Yes, definitely a twist. And I've done a lot of Boy Scout unit uh, work where I was a, like an assistant, where I was a lead, where I was in the leadership of different scout units, and that's all volunteers. Yeah, it's like they they've got the only thing they are investing is their time. And the and their and and what's best for their kids. Yeah. So you got to learn how to manage people when you're managing like that. So if you have the opportunity to work with volunteers, work with volunteers. They're great always, people overall. But anyway, always so good. he wants to he wants to volunteer and help with that. So I'm like, okay, cool. You want to volunteer and help? That's great. The thing is, it's I have this huge backlog of of episodes, and the problem is not uploading the episode. The problem is the editing side because the editing workflow I was using was very clunky and cumbersome. Thankfully, DaVinci Resolve, which is the comp which is the program I use for editing the video, came out with a new version, Resolve 18, and it allows me to do 
more uh, record more options for rendering. So now I can cut out a full third of my workflow in the new DaVinci Resolve. That's which, always a good thing. Yeah, last week was proof positive on that. I got to upload and everything. Granted, if you if you if you make a quality video, make sure your upload and download speeds are good because it took I kid you not, right? Uh, almost 14 hours for the video version of the podcast last week to upload to YouTube. Yeah, that's that's pretty long. It is, but it's kind of my own thing because when you when you get into video editing or whatever, and uh, I I uh, shout out to a YouTuber named Casey Ferris. He does shout out resolve training, so you go check him out. But one of the thing, one of the tips I got from him is change my is when I go to do the render for the video to adjust the the bit rate because normally they'll default like ten thousand kilobits a second. I bump it up to fifty or sixty thousand. <laughs> now this does two things. A, yes, it makes the file when you're done huge. However, you get a much better quality video. That's what matters done, because it's not trying to shove it like a sardine in a in a can. It's yeah. gives yeah. it yeah. room. So I noticed that. <laughs> now we're not shooting in 4K, people. We're not. No, 4K over here. Version, I'm, I'm not at that 4K level. Can you see level, me? Can you right? see me? I, I'm knocking on the whole uh, uh, 1080p and, and all of that. So I've got decent, but not really high quality. But here's the thing I noticed. Some of my shorter videos I've done where I had that larger bit rate. When I upload to YouTube, YouTube thinks it's a 4K resolution. I'm like, well, that's nice. Yeah. I don't know exactly what I was going for, but okay. Not to mention, if you use the free <laughs> version of DaVinci Resolve, you can't render in 4K. That's You have to buy the paid version. Okay. Which, you know, if that's what you're working, then yeah. If you got the cameras to support it, then Ooh. do it. I don't have the... I, I'm not there yet. Yeah, not quite there yet, but we'll get there. But, so yeah, so bring that back around. He wants to help out with the, the back end on the site, and he knows how to use this service versus the service I currently use. Okay. So I can add him as a contributor. It's like, all right, cool. But here's the here's the thing. I have, like, I think the last podcast episode uploaded on this, my current hosting, is episode 81. We're at episode 125, or 124. So that's almost 80 episodes, and that's not counting some of the other D&D game content that I have recorded that still needs to get edited and rendered to try to upload. Yeah. And it's like, well, in my current hosting, I can upload that stuff in a couple of months and it's all there. No extra cost to me. But if I switch over to this new site, then I have to pay for each additional hour. And I tell you, when the podcast is roughly an hour long, we're talking 80 episodes of that. That's 80 hours in content. And then at least 10 episodes of D&D game. And those games are three hours each. Yeah, those are pretty long. There's another 30. So now we're at ballpark 120, uh, roughly 120 hours of content. Yeah, you do the math. Yeah, that's not, not kosher. Especially when it's like, okay, I have 120 hours worth of content and it's going to cost me $3 an hour to... Uh, no. Yeah. Now, 
The nice thing is if I do switch to another service, they will migrate all of my existing content service yeah, that's at a no plus. extra cost to me. Fingers crossed. So we will we'll see how that goes. The renewal is coming up, and that's just some of the some of the things you know back end stuff for content. Groups. Yeah. But anyways. Um. So yeah, we got a couple of things, a few things to talk about. Uh, definitely heavy on the review side because we've been chewing and chewing up some some great movies and and stuff to talk about. Yes, sir. Um, and of course some odds and ends and some news stories. So you know, stick around, hang out with us. This is as you're kind of getting. This is a free form podcast, so we'll just kind of roll with it. And roll and see dice. How the conversation goes. Throw it out there, people. Uh, before we get too much further, let's uh. Take a moment to uh, thank uh, one of the one of the one of one of our oldest contributors, and that is Sirenscape. Thank you. Go to Sirenscape.com to check out their web player and online library of game of soundboards and background music. These are great for your tabletop experience. We have a history with tabletop and playing board games. So this is just something you can play in the background to, to really immerse your players. And especially with the COVID environment and people playing games virtually and not in the same space. Hey, Sirenscape's got options for that. So go check them out. Sirenscape.com. Great things. Uh, you'll hear some backgrounds for us. I've got a playlist that I've put together for the podcast been using them for years absolutely wonderful people uh so yeah check out sirenscape.com check them out people oh yeah and if you're watching us on youtube be sure to you know do the thing you know the thing up there thing up there people yep do that subscribe yes and like us <clears throat> and let's do it us audio please give us a like give us a review tell us what we think uh, all that fun stuff. So, oh. Shall we dive right in since we got so many reviews to get through? Oh, yeah. Let's go ahead let's and just that. go and do our thing. All right. What's on deck first? What's on deck first? What are we diving into? Uh, we're going to start with a movie called Easter Sunday by Joe Coy. Uh, this came out in theater. Is this a theater release or is it where we're theater release? Theater yeah. release. Yeah. Wide release. Easter Sunday family. So familiar Filipino edition. That is my tagline for this review. I haven't seen it. Rye, You say you saw it. It is up on ryereviews.com for the full review, but they kind of give us a feeling as like, right. Do I want to go watch this movie? Do you want to go watch this movie? I would say it's up to you, but if you want to know my opinion, so-so. Mixed bag. So-so. Mixed bag. Okay. And the reason is, is that, um, as you mentioned, this film stars Joe Coy. If anybody's familiar with Joe Coy, he's a famous Filipino comedian out there. Does a lot of stand-up. He is actually my favorite stand-up comedian. I've seen him three times. Laughed my butt off three times. And going into this movie, there's a two-fold approach. Not only, hey, hopefully it'll be a funny a comedy family thing family slapstick kind of uh comedy but also one thing is that he's it's propelling to the mainstream um the filipino culture and filipino american culture so that's one of the big zeitgeist in this film and one of the strong points in this film so the center uh the central point of this is that joe uh coy plays a character by joe valencia and he's a struggling actor he's about to hopefully hit it big and then he has to go home for Easter Sunday 
hence the title of the movie. And he travels back with his son, who's also, he's having issues having that father-son dynamic struggles. And they go home, and then shenanigans happen. Hmm. The strongest point of this film is the family dynamic, because not only, that, as I mentioned, it does a two-fold approach, the strongest point is that highlighting family, it does a great job of highlighting not just family, but also the cultural aspect of the Fili Filipino uh, heritage, as well as how family is. But he does it with a comedic twist, and the comedy, when it's focused on the family, focused on the dynamic struggles that he's dealing with at home and with his career, it's great. You know, it's fun. It does yeah. great. Watch out, we're about to be invaded. Invaded by the cots. Um, no, Phoebe. You don't get to yeah. hang out. <laughs> but anyways, but that's where the fun uh the fun ends and disaster begins. Um being that it is a family comedy and being that he is a stand-up comedian, you would expect a certain degree of laughter. You don't get that here outside of the typical um stuff that he does with family oriented stuff um so when it comes to everything else that happens in the film it just becomes a very much a familiarity of cheesy uh one-liners unexpected cameos and just cliches that you find in any kind of like slapstick style uh comedy and i'm not going to say it's bad because it's not um there that is uh, humor is very subjective and if you like cheesy stuff you can probably get it but for me it takes away from that family uh, dynamic and the 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 the, the this human aspect of what he was going with when it focused on the family yeah so. so so what you're saying so it sounds like what you're saying is this is one of those they they went a little overboard trying to make a joke yeah there are parts in the film where it's just mind numbing and just cringing that they try to force things and it's just like you don't have to do that because you already had something good in the pot uh, no pun intended um but it does eventually it comes back it focuses on the family by the end once they have easter dinner and some of the shenanigans there and it does kind of wrap up on a good heart felt note but it just there's a lot of just uh mixed bag feelings through most of it so this comes down to be uh according to your review a 2.5 out of 5. Yep. Meaning this yep. is this would be a great Friday night rental if there was still video store. Yep, Friday night rental. So that means, you know, rent it on Prime or something. Go to the theaters if you want to see it. If you want to, you know, it could be for you. But uh, just keep it at home, I would say. Keep it at All home. All right. And that works. That yep. works. All right. Our next one we're going to talk about is Bullet Train. Bullet the Train. film. Yes, sir. I'm was so I'm so hyped for this one. I didn't get the chance to watch it yet. I do want to go check it out. But Rai, you checked it out. Is this as crazy and chaotic as the trailer suggests? Crazy and chaotic, spontaneous, amazing. Well, yes and no. Yes so and no. Okay. um at the center of this is Brad Pitt. He plays a character. Uh he goes by the codename code name of Ladybug. That's already the tip of the iceberg of the insanity that ensues. So basically what happens is he is tasked on a uh, grab and go mission. He has to grab a briefcase, which becomes the MacGuffin for this film on this uh, bullet train that goes from Tokyo to Kyoto. So he has to go in, get the briefcase and get off. Doesn't go as planned because what he finds out is that on this train, there's a plethora of other assassins, not to mention the Japanese mob is on that is focused on getting this briefcase as well so it gets in this entangled web of shenanigans and craziness that shows uh off 
with the uniqueness of the concept and what you what i call this concept is um in this concept what i call is frenetic storytelling and a good example of frenetic storytelling is snatch it's a guy ritchie film and it does what you do in frenetic storytelling is that you have all these loose ends and unexpected like interactions and you feel like there is um plot holes but the unexpectedness is uh built on purpose because because yeah, it was snatch when you get to the end it, it connects all the yeah, dots it connects all the dots and, and this like, oh. yeah and this film does the same thing it creates oh, okay. a unique you creates unique situations sometimes comical depending on who the cast of characters are interacting with who mixed in with some over-the-top action that uh strikes a balance between the cliche elements and the freneticism of the journey. So throughout the film, you're getting this like overall excitement, not always from the action, but sometimes just from conversation and kind of like wittiness that they build on like social dynamic, uh, family feuds, um, uh, past, and it all comes together in this craziness on one train. It all takes place on the train and it's just crazy so, what happens. So I mean, judging from the, the, the picture here, we've got quite the ensemble of characters. Yes. Now, how do they all play into each other on this? They all play into each other by, not going to spoil it, being that um, they all have a connection to that briefcase and what is in that briefcase and what is the purpose of that briefcase. So all of them are assassins. All of them have been hired, tasked, or set on a mission that ties back to that briefcase. So there's the briefcase gets on there because of a group of assassins. I'll name them. It's called the twins who are played by a Aaron Taylor Johnson and uh, David Tyree. Um, they're the twins and they're the reason that the briefcase is on the train because they have to do a certain mission and Brad Pitt, that's character just kind of, uh, just to add a little funniness. It's not even his mission. He only, he only goes on this mission because the person that was supposed to be on it took a day off. So he kind of had to been he was hired uh, by proxy to do this and with with his well, dynamic he also like isn't it also kind of one of the things he's coming into this like he's been out of the game for a while yeah he's been out of the he's, game he's been dealing with a lot of like you know mental Ill, men, mental health and he's like i don't really know if i want to be an assassin anymore it's it's a, it, the men i'm not going to be a kindler gentler assassin yeah, that's a like a, that's a red herring from the trailer because what they show that in the trailer is a red herring from actually what is is and i'm not going to spoil it because what you find out what happens kind of adds to the uh credence of the craziness okay all i can say is that he has this very like zen like zen like approach to everything but he has bad luck so when he's trying not to kill somebody they end up getting killed so it's kind of funny but um once you head into the third act that's when the craziness just explodes and you get all this insanity mixed in with a little bit of convolutedness but it's not hard to follow but it can be if you can't figure out all the all the plethora of uh, threads subplots but it all comes together in a unique fashion and does end on a very uh, comical note and i would say pe stay past the the credits not end the credits but you know through the first few minutes because it adds a little more funniness to how the climax ends in this film so you got a mid you got a mid you got a mid roll yeah mid roll so it's like a like an extra that adds to it which is kind of funny okay definitely um what would you, what do we give this one Overall, it's a fun, frenetic action thriller. If you're uh, like that frenetic storytelling or Guy Ritchie films from the path, Lock, Stock, uh, Snatch, even um, Smoke and Aces, this is one for you. I say it's worth seeing at the theaters. 3.5 out of 5, matinee. All righty. 
So that is uh, Bullet Train with Brad Pitt. And mm. our next conversation and is a uh, Scoob in the Rye do the movies. Yeah, this is what did we, we do? Watched, and that is the new movie Prey that was released on Hulu. Yes, sir. Last week, uh, this is the fifth film in the main Five. Predator franchise. Uh, eight Predator vs. Alien is a is kind of its own little. It's side. over here. It's over. We depend who wants to count it, but it's over there. It's yeah. you can enjoy it if you want. But this is the fifth film uh, in the Predator franchise. It is the. It is set in the past. It's supposed to be kind of a prequel. Yep. Uh, this is like the Predator's first hunt on Earth and goes up against uh, uh, fur, uh, fur trader, French fur traders and uh, Native Americans, specifically Comanche, yep. uh, the Com- uh, Comanche yep. tribe. And yep. it's like, what could possibly go wrong? I don't know, Scuba. What could go wrong or what could go right in this movie? I'm going to go with what could go right. This is by far the best film in the franchise. Yep. Hands down, this is getting a lot of rave critical reviews. It's got, what, a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes as of I'll today. Look it, I'll look it up. You keep on talking. And But it, it follows a young, uh, a young woman uh, who wants to prove herself to her tribe that she can hunt. Um, but there's the tribe that she she perceives and through some of the tribe's actions toward her, it's like she's just she she's not she's not capable of being a hunter. Yeah. So uh, the first act is all about setting up the, the setting and the premise. And it focuses on, like you said, the female warrior mm-hmm. uh, goes by the name of Naru, played by Amber uh, Mid Thunder. Which is a credence to what they did in this film, but we can talk about it. We'll get to that. Yeah, but yeah, like you said, the first act, you kind of see the struggles of her. She wants to be a hunter in her tribe, and the film does a great job of building up character and dynamic through the minimalistic of dialogue and a slow burn model. So everything is through observation and watching this tribe and how they live on the Great Plains. And what that does is that it gives you an attachment to the character before it heads into the inevitable interactions with the unknown hunter. And as fans know, the predator. And you know what? That's actually good because you see that theme throughout it about observation. Yeah. This is guy. This is really good for the fact he either Naru observes the predator just as the predator observes who, who it's hunting. There's yep. a lot of back and forth. I think that's the beauty of this film is there is that back and forth between hunter and hunted. Yeah. In a variety of things. And I, you know what? You've got to check this out. If you're definitely, definitely do the Hulu for a month just or whatever and check it out. Granted, there's a lot of other content on Hulu, so I'm not, not talking down about that. <laughs> but if you ended your subscription like I did, this is worth the renewal to watch because it's cheaper than going to see this in the theater. And that's actually something funny because the director and the producers did this film with the intent of it being a theatrical release. However, it was ultimate. It's ultimate fate was put on Hulu, but it's the, but instead of getting a, because we've all seen it direct movies that are on streaming services sometimes don't have the same vibe as a theatrical experience. Yeah. This film feels like a theatrical experience, yet you know it's on a streaming service. It's really, really great in that sense. And you yeah. really, they even though the, the technology for doing a film like this has definitely come a long way since 1987 with the first Predator film, it's 
they kept it minimal like you yeah they kept it minimal and they kept it to where it it, it has a lot of the same vibe as the original predator was with arnold schwarzenegger yeah it's that it's that simplified approach that it builds the up the dynamic of the hunt and like you said the hunt and the hunted it becomes blurred because you never really know is she the hunter or the hunted or is the predator the hunt or hunted especially the 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 way they actually add um a fragility to the predator because of some interactions with certain things in the environment i'm not going to say what you watch it for yourself but that that subtlety helps build up the tension and then the overall lead into the overall climax and then what happens to her with the tribe it get, adds that emotional fervor that is what makes the first predator so great is you care about the characters and care about that that hunt and survival mm -hmm. so that's the that's the why, why why i can it's one of the best in the franchise you know up there with the first one like you said so yeah because i mean this tells a really great story and i and let's take it away from the story let's take a look at the production side of it yeah um, we're talking about this is they hired uh, uh, what they brought on a uh, uh, someone who who is Com who's a, who's who is Comanche. Yeah. And she serves as an executive producer and as their cultural advisor. And then they hired actors that are Native American and 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 are command and are Comanche to play these characters so i think that's definitely reminiscent of the trend we're seeing in hollywood and film production of if we're going to talk about a culture let's get people of that culture and represent and show a representation of the culture with the right people because so many things in his in in previous film things when they try to depict a culture or whatnot it's always through the lens of western western the western view yeah you know it's never really done right and some great examples of this miss marvel on disney plus talks about pakistani culture from what we were talking about last week moon knight talks about egyptian and arab cultures yep uh, the, the 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 trend right now is definitely going more it's more culturally inclusive and it it adds to the story like the, the, this really does feel a lot feel very natural and nuanced with the with the right character actors playing they're playing these roles so i think that yeah. adds to it very well and it just kind of keeps that dynamic yeah. the other nice thing is we know the predator's tech we've seen it in five, in four films it hasn't changed much it so changes here it's, oh well yeah yeah how about we scale the predator back to 300 years so that was a smart move that they scaled his tech back 300 years. Yeah, it's it's still more advanced than what it is where it's taking place, which is 1719. But 1715. for 1715. Okay, well I pulled that from. Okay. Um, it's 1715 because there's a great Easter egg if you're a fan of the franchise in this film. Somebody needs to update the wiki page. <laughs> wiki page. Uh, yeah. So. And your review. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I pulled it from the oh. wiki page. So, it's all good. But anyways, um, Predator, they, they scaled back the technology. Even though it's more advanced, it's it's um, it's um it's not as advanced for their own culture. But it still emphasizes the fact of that it takes a nuance and ingen ingenuity to, to actually hunt. And you get to see it from both sides with one side ultimately triumphing. Oh, yeah. It's absolutely great. 
uh production value is good um this is really hitting all the marks in fact it was announced today through a couple of different through at least one site i saw um that it looks like they're actually going to explore developing a series uh disney disney plus is looking to develop a series to uh for predator and it's like that would be very interesting to see especially because they're talking about trying to target a teen demographic which i gotta be honest the first time i think about that predator movies are not are, are r-rated films they're gory they're bloody they're violent yeah um why are we gonna make a series targeted at kids but then i take a look at it something like camp cretaceous and it can work and granted most of the Jurassic Park films are all PG-13, but let's let's be honest. There are some scenes in those in those. If they had the R, it would be really it really bad. But eh, we'll see how this goes. It's in the early. It, it, it's it's like it's in the development stage, meaning they they're still ironing out and trying to get an idea and put the stuff in a in, a, in some kind of some kind of goal. So probably more on that to come. But the fact that we have our fifth film in the franchise. It revitalized the franchise. It saved the franchise. It definitely did. And now it's like, and it's setting new bars in other areas. Like the a theatrical experience on a streaming. It's, it's all about the mindset of the way you're doing the production. Yeah. Also, one of the things I like in this is like, there are some sequences in the movie that if you're a, a movie aficionado, like uh, this guy over here, you'll see inspirations of other films in this. Yeah. One of those I have to say is like, if you can't see a parallel to John Wick in some of the fight choreography, <laughs> then you need to go back and watch that franchise. Tell me I'm wrong, right? Tell me I'm You're wrong. You're not wrong. It's, it's a lot of craziness that happens and they find a way to do, uh, um, do it in a way that is very great. Yes. Very cool. Very great. So yeah. Um, so Ra, you gave this a four out of five. Yeah, four out of five full price. I wish this was released in theaters because it would have been nice to see an Adobe or IMAX screen, but we got it on Hulu, so that's where you can check it out. Yeah, I, I would, I'm, I'm solid 4.5. I, there's very little in this film that I can have an issue with. And it, the only, I watched it with our friend, uh, Penumbra, and he was, he came over, we watched it, and the first question he had had to deal with the flintlock pistol at the end. And it's like, you know what? That's something that can explore in a future future movie. But interestingly enough, in the comic side, they actually did do the origin of the flintlock in, in the comics. But this movie kind of resets some of that. So very curious to see what happens next. Yeah, it's interesting to see. But we'll get there when we get there. Oh, yeah, totally. So, all right. all right. That was three down, two to go. Yep. So next to movie review is one that you watched on yep. Apple Plus TV called Luck. So yep. take it away. All right. So we have this is this came out on Apple TV. Um, it's from Sundance uh, Studios. It's an animated film called Luck. It's got Simon Pegg and I can't remember the girl's name. Um, but Simon Pegg plays a I'll look it up. Scottish lucky cat. And the the protagonist in this story is a woman who is just turned 18. She's out on her own for the first time. And 
Saying she has bad luck is grossly underestimating how bad. I mean, you the beauty of some of these sequences to showcase her bad luck makes me think of Rude Goldberg devices. It is the <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to make Final Destination a comedy movie, you go well, you, you turn it into luck cuz it's some some of those sequences, like if you watched Final Destination or you think of uh, Rube Goldberg machines, it's the how in the world did you go from slipping on a puddle of water to all of a sudden a a carving knife winds up and it kind of deal. This is. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. This is the kind of goofy shenanigans that happens in this film. There's a great sequence kind of early on where it's like she's late. She's trying to get there, so it's like she goes in. She goes into the bathroom, shuts the door, and it happens to be just enough force that the broom falls down on top of the doorknob, locking her in. <laughs> so then you see her try to fiddle with it to get it out, and then as she to, and it's just it's like one thing after another, and it's like really how how unlucky are you? Not to borrow a line from the film, but damn. But uh, <laughs> so she encounters. Uh, the cat and she gets this lucky penny and it's no kidding it makes everything great and then she go she loses it and then she embarks on this adventure through the land of luck and all these different creatures in fantasy that are lucky and unlucky and it's a very nice it's a coming it's it's very i, I very much like the hero's journey and the coming of, uh, coming of age okay that's good she's sitting there and she feels she's because here's where this is a uniqueness that I like about this film, and it, it it it's personal to some people who watch it is the fact that the young lady she is a foster kid. She was she she was she she grew up in the foster care system in an orphanage. She turned eighteen. She has to move out. The state has given her a an apartment, and a, and she's gotten a job and said, "You're doing all right." Then they'll cover some of these costs. Um. But she has this young friend who is the same age she was when she was first encountered with disappointment in terms of finding her forever family. So it's all about finding family and finding people you can connect with. And she's such an individual who gives so much more than and never really asks for anything. Okay. And I see her. So you kind of it's so it, it helps you build this attention to her and he really care to see what's going on and then find out how one of the underlying themes in this is talking about how do I make my station better? Okay. How do I make my, what I, what I perceive I need to make my life better versus what's right in front of me. Okay. So great supporting cast, uh, Whoopi Goldberg, Jane Fonda, uh, um, a couple others in there. They yeah, really... some big names and oh, yeah. the lead uh, character's name's Eva, and Eva. played by Sam Greenfield. Okay, and then yeah, so it's really great. A lot of even even a Pixar alum uh, is in there. <laughs> uh, but it's a. It, I found it. It was funny. It was great. I watched it uh, Friday night with uh, my with uh, Mark uh saladin and it was just one of those it's like you just can't help but like what in the world could go wrong next and okay this is how we're this is how we and the, the here this is how we have to come to terms because that's where i think it's the hero's journey is you have to come to terms with 
who you are. Dude, does does this uh, movie spin the, the hero's journey in, in a different way, or does it follow the typical outline with a little bit of color? A little bit of color. Um, you kind of get to the. I would say it's probably more. It's probably very, fairly traditional in, okay. in the hero's journey. Um, it's it has the the happy ending that we we can see coming. When, when after we get to a certain point, we can see how this ending how it's going to end. Okay. Um, the big character reveals that you kind of didn't see coming. Uh, show up, and then it's the all right. She it, it, she she realizes she had she realizes she's not as bad off as she thinks. Okay. And you know, and then everybody kind of comes together and has that. But it's a very cool little kids film. It's probably one of the first. And it's worth a watch if you have the Apple Plus or the TV Plus subscription. Okay. Check it out. It's it's comical, hilarious, but a lot. It, definitely somebody was a fan of Ron Rube Goldberg machines when they yeah. dreamed up some <laughs> of these sequences because they are a riot. That sounds good. So how would you rate it? Final rating. Um, I'm gonna give it a 3.5 out of five. It's okay. solid. So um, it's it's definitely not. I mean, it's definitely a kids movie. It's de- it, it doesn't try to address anything too heavy, which I'm glad. And it also doesn't go into too lot of social commentary, which is another positive. Um, but it's just, it, it's predictable. But like a lot of kids' movies are predictable. But okay. it, overall, it's a decent story. So yeah. 3.5 uh, out of 5. Yeah, sometimes predictable, predictable is, is okay thing. You know, you can have fun. We've had some of those films this year that we've seen. Mm-hmm. That, you know, it goes along that predictable beat. But if you have fun at it, that's all that matters. Oh, yeah, totally. And uh, add a credence to the rating for Prey. It's at 92. Hmm. So not too far down. Still high, high, high. Yeah, definitely. The I think IGN has a rating a listing of all five Predator films, best to worst. <laughs> I can guess what the worst is, but we can leave that for another day. Oh, yeah, because they include uh, the AVP movies. Yeah, so I definitely know which one is the worst if they did that. I think we all do. <laughs> we but... all do. If you do. If you don't know, but feel free to ask. I'm sure someone will tell you what the worst, what yeah. the worst predator movie of all time is. Yeah, including but, the AVP movies. Yes. So we'll leave that at that. But now we move from luck into dreams. Yeah, that is definitely this is definitely a shi- good shift, and that is we're going to talk about Sandman. So Scoob and the Rye does the TV's presents the latest uh, show on Netflix, a Netflix original adaptation from a DC comic of the same name, uh, The Sandman. So take it away, Scoob. What was your initial thoughts overall of the show? Right, so let's set this up. Sandman is a DC comics property. Yep. It talks about a it talks about a group of entities called the Endless, specifically uh, Dream, who's in charge of the dream the who's in charge of dreams. Yep. Um. Morpheus is his name, but he's when you go to sleep and your consciousness travels and you have these fantastic, uh, go to this fantastical world and in, in your own dreams, he is the one in charge of that realm. Um, so it's not it, it expands beyond the traditional theology of of heaven and hell and whatnot. Uh, but the nice thing, if you're is this originally was when this originally came out, I think it was in the nineties. Yep. Um, um, I'm looking it up. Just keep on. Uh, the Sandman grew out of a proposal by Neil Gaiman to revive DC 1974, 76, so 70, 80s. So, yeah, 70s and 80s. Late, nice late 80s. 
this crossed over with the DC main universe with the superheroes, uh, but it also spun off into I know a show you're very you you really enjoyed, and that is Lucifer. Yes, I love Lucifer. The Lucifer comics are a spinoff of Sandman. Yep. And not to mention, and if you're a fan of Constantine and the Hellraiser stories, there's a lot of crossover with this as well with the with Constantine. So it's got a it's definitely a darker, more stylized type of type of comic and graphic novel, which are really great books. Yeah. If you get a chance to check them out, check them out. But the adaptation of this has taken several iterations to try and get to where we are now. Yeah, it's taken a while. Yeah, but and where we are now, this is. I mean, there was one point they were trying to do a film property. Uh, yeah. But then it was like, no, this would be better as a series. So we did this. So the series comes. Uh, is phenomenally well done. Yep. I I cannot say enough. IGN gave gave the series a nine out of ten. I would have to agree with them. Yeah. There's the, very little I can find wrong with yeah. this from a story perspective. Now, granted, I don't know the comic, the full comic lore. I don't know all the source material, but the way this came, the when you look at this as a medium of television, as a show with it has a couple of different story arcs in its first season, which is something you don't normally see. Good, good layering of story and character. Very well done. It's yeah. like when you think it's over, there's the more pull back a layer <laughs> and now there's more to work off of. It's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I will say I will preface this. There are some there is some subject matter in this that gets a little sketchy. Yeah, it does. It does touch up on some really uh, crucial things, especially dealing with a lot of um, uh, specific societal things. But overall, I, I see this series coming from someone who doesn't know anything about the comics. This is this is a good a good uh, a lead way into you know what my thing is. It's like I agree with you. This is probably one of the one of the better uh, shows I've seen in a quite some times. One of the best first seasons of a new television show because what this does is that. Um, it introduces you to the characters without dumbing it down through over explanation. It, it allows for the story, conversation, and characters to build over time, over the episodes, into introducing you into the mythos of Dream and the Endless and all the different mythologies that ties into the different entities that the Endless uh, encompasses. Well, the Endless are supposed to represent the different, some different elements of humanity. Yep. Dream, desire, despair, uh, death. Those are, they're all Del part of the, yeah. the endless. Delirium and destruction are the other two. Well, one of them is missing. Yep. Which is destruction. That is, that one is missing for, missing for some reason. They don't know. They'll explore later. Quote unquote. Hopefully we get more shows. We can find out. But it's this, it's, it, it's so each one is supposed to represent a different thing. And of course it's, it has its moments where it does I into some of the traditional theological stuff for Christianity, meaning heaven and hell, specifically hell, because there's a whole storyline where he goes to see Lucifer Morningstar. Yes, um, sir. Now, then I like how in this one, Lucifer is played by a woman. Yep. Which granted angels were supposed to be agnostic in terms of what sex they are. But normally when we think of someone playing Lucifer, it's always a male actor always a male character they're very few films i can think of two two instances yeah right now number one 
obviously this one with um uh god what's her name she played brianna of tar from game of thrones she played captain plasma or phasma in the in yeah, the sequel her... trilogy um gwendolyn christie i want to yeah, say yeah yeah gwendolyn christie is her name um she plays this and she does a phenomenal job as lucifer yeah really comes across with some of the the character dialogue and it's interesting the only other one is an older film uh with uh brendan fraser um and where he's brendan fraser is a guy who makes a con makes deal with the devil gets three wishes to try and get the the love of his the the, the woman he's infatuated with and it's all kinds of shenanigans i want to it's bedazzled bedazzled yeah i think that's an older movie that's a midnight that's a 90s era film yeah. but that's the only other thing i could the only instance i can remember of seeing a lucifer or the devil played as a female actor yeah most of the time it's always a male actor granted the uh lucifer morningstar and the show lucifer he's really great <laughs> yeah he's he does a great job at that but uh you know coming back to sandman um the show just it, it layers you within a world where it's believable in the fanatical and at the same time it has multiple tonal shift because each episode feels like its own standalone like its own own yeah, they piece were saying that and some of the behind the scenes stuff is like each episode it stands alone but it does connect yeah and you get a couple of different stories yeah and the reimagining of certain characters not some plus shout out for the supporting cast on this oh yeah i mean we got actors from game of thrones we've got actors from harry potter we've got actors from a lot of really great like one uh one, one standout is boyd holbrook as uh the corinthian yes. so yeah but um like you said it does a great job it feels like an anthology but with an overall connective tissue so it's serialized and episodic at the same time and that's an attested not only the source material but the way that they were able to adapt it for the the, the big screen or the small screen if you want to say and leave enough to where this is one thing that i praise the show for and praise a lot of great shows that do this they do something where they encompasses the first season in its own entity its own entirety but enough to where okay there can be more adventures for character a character b character c and that's a definition of a great show overall when you can define what the purpose is of your season your beginning middle and end add in a lot of girth that actually represents some importance to the overall mythos but also have a satisfying outcome of okay i've done this what is the consequence of doing this and then mm -hmm. also what's the completion of it with a little bit of what may come next mm -hmm. so yeah but yeah i i enjoyed it thoroughly enjoyed it um it's 11 episodes long 10 10 plus one what's the you sure it's 11 because one it was 11 okay i'm gonna look it up thought it was 10 but anyways it is really great watch it set that it, it sets up can't wait to see what happens in season two season two is already in pre already in pre-production that just hasn't been officially greenlit but considering how popular this is right now i don't i personally don't foresee it not happening yeah i see it getting greenlit 
so yep 10 11 episodes um the last one is lost hearts does end with an interesting um not twist but interesting what will happen next very much so so yeah sandman netflix check it out i i'm i'm solid four i'd say it's a solid five out of five for me it's i cannot think of a better set of tv yeah and it's just just the story is it, it keep it hooks you and draws you in and you want to see what happens yep very been very much a binge binge show binge style show i'll give it a four out of five um it definitely worth the watch yep totally Alrighty. all right oh Wow, we just fired through five reviews. Rapid we don't five. do that very often, but no. Man. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Sometimes a lot of stuff drops in one weekend, but hey, it's all good. Um, Alrighty. Um, so what do we want to tackle next? I'll. Let's, I'm kind of curious about the Gray Man dilemma. Yeah. We can talk through that and then hit our odds and ends. And of course, we can't go without talking about all the shenanigans happening at WB Discovery. That stuff is just going on forever. Yep. Um, new ownership, a little shakiness, but hopefully good things. But speaking of Netflix and streaming, as great as the Sandman is and great as some of the stuff that they have on there, Stranger Things, Umbrella Academy, um, The Irishman from past, even originals that started it off with um, House of Cards and Orange is the New Black, they do have a certain dilemma and a troubling kind of trend that seems to be happening over the last... Let's say two years, a couple years. Um, so an article dropped over on Screen Rant that highlights one of the recent releases on the on the on the streaming service, which is the Gray Man. The Gray Man was one of their highlights, or one of their big highlights that they highlighted that was coming out this year. One that I was looking forward to, not only because it was the Russo brothers directing it, but it has one of my man crushes of an actor in the film, Ryan Gosling, and it was an action-oriented spy thriller kind of film. Not going to go over my review. I can just tell you I didn't really like it. You can check it out on ridereviews.com for reading it. Didn't like but it. yeah, this this really fell flat on its face. Yeah, it's 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 a hit and miss. It's about it's right around 50%, so half people liked it, half people not. But it's not as much of the appeal, but what the cost and what the trend of this movie is highlighting for the Netflix streaming service. Yeah, and 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 the fact that we know this isn't this is not getting a lot of positive critical review. Yeah. Netflix has already greenlit a spin-off series for this. Yep, spin-off series and sequels. And they're, they're trying to build this franchise yep. and it's like the movie wasn't that good. Yep. But and this the as we're going with this article and some of the and whatnot, it's like Let's talk about how Netflix is put painting themselves into a corner. Yeah, there's multiple fronts that they're painting themselves in the corner. Mm -hmm. um, by greenlighting, you know, multiple stuff within the series. Granted, they've done that with a few other properties, but this one in particular, it cost them over two hundred million approximate to create this. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'm, and I'm big sure bang for the buck. Is, part of that is going to the paychecks of Ryan of of their cast, and the, so yep. this is the thing. Gray Man. Red Notice, um, Adam Project, Adam Project. It's like we're talking films that have recognizable 
A-list yeah. actors. The Irishman, another one. Martin Scorsese with Robert De Niro, um, Al Pacino, and um, dang it. It'd be not if yeah. those were one-offs, yeah, but where is their original content with because here's the thing. When you go to a film, when you go to watch a film in a theater, when like Warner Brothers, MGM, all them makes make movies, sometimes they will cast an actor we've never heard of. And Sam. all of a sudden, and then that actor will become big. Yeah, example, one that we both liked from a few years ago, Knives Out. Name it name one. It has recognizable names, but a lot of unknowns. You sure about that? Yeah, it has some recognizable names, but a lot of unknowns that were in the supporting cast that became big afterwards. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I was I was thinking like, you know, it's maybe the first time we see Ryan Gosling in a Gosling in a film. Yep. You know? Let's uh, you know, let's talk about some of those ones where it's like uh Gerard Butler. The first couple of films you had no idea who it was, and all of a sudden he got bigger and bigger and bigger. 300. 300 was yep. definitely one that put him up there. Yeah. But one of his first films was Dracula 2000. Never watched that one. It wasn't bad. Yeah. Wes Craven film. One yep. of his last ones. But the point is, is when you go to a theatrical show and you watch these actors, these actors then become big and then they, they draw the audience in. Netflix seems to be having... It seems to be relying on the actors that can draw the audience in but aren't given them a story and they're not developing new properties with unknowns to get unknowns to become prominent actors yeah so, so this ties back into you know having those big names means cost big paychecks so uh red notice was a big i don't have the numbers but it cost them extensively i I'm know sorry. all three actors got like 15 or 20 million a piece for red yeah. notice uh another one which we both kind of liked uh the sea beast um, they had to use the, the, the name recognition of the producers from Moana worked on this, not only the voice actor of, uh, Carl Urban and one of the leads to acknowledge, Hey, this, you know, come check it out. Granted, the movie was great. The movie but, was great. Animation. Yeah. Animated films getting A-list actors yeah. in them is, is always thing. It's when we get to the live action yeah. films and where is our, where it's one thing if you have an A-list actor or, or a, a big name actor, but have them opposite somebody who's up and coming to help get them yeah. over. Yeah. So in, in, in the public to see, okay, I went and I saw this for Ryan Reynolds, but I really like the, who he's, who he's with, who I'm not familiar with. I want to see what they did really good in this role. I want to see what they do next. And this yeah. is just, this is just an example. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're, it's that crossroads is a dilemma that they're, they're on shaky ground because, you know, We've heard, you know, they've been in the news for losing stuff here and there, subscribers, money, but that's typical oh of companies, you know, money goes, comes, but it's just this dilemma where they can't build from star, build their own stars within their own ecosystem, which goes back to a lot of the fact that they've, they brought in a lot of people because of the curated content. Mm -hmm. And like, we've had, had the conversation before the podcast, how even though they have done great on building their original stuff and pulling in content from the foreign f media, it's still not what's bringing people in. It's stuff like this, The Gray Man, Red Notice, Adam Project, The Irishman that are bringing people in, which goes back to the issue, money, and big name actors. Yeah. Not to mention the third wild card is competition. Mm -hmm. Buying for streaming competition because 
like you mentioned, you just a good uh, example. You have uh, Prey on Hulu. You have Luck on Apple TV. Both were not only, you know, presented and built for streaming, but they were great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, vying for that competition, they're lo- going to lose out on that. And it's slowly going to decay over time. Which to be, f- which, I mean, let's be real. This is how business works in yep. the end. Yeah. I mean, I, I we were talking about this months ago. You go to Cracker Barrel and you look at you take a take a look at the walls on Cracker Barrel. Yeah. You see all the different company logos and company products and you go and you realize that none of them are around anymore. Yeah, pretty much. Um 99%. Let let let's give Netflix its due. It was the first one to come onto the scene. Number 1. Yeah dominated for the better part of 20 years yeah better part of yeah 20 years 10 years always in the positive so so now it's starting to wane as everybody else gets on board and hopefully and and we'll see what they do going forward but if they're going to keep relying on a-listers and big names recognizable names excuse me they're keep relying on recognizable names to draw people in to watch content that really isn't very any good eventually you're gonna run out yeah so like a like example i know i'm going back to they hired and got martin scorsese to do the irishman on netflix but he's not solely doing stuff on a netflix his next big project is going to be um uh something of the killer moon which is going to be on apple so well, yeah well speaking speaking of that name recognition yep Amazon Prime is going to have the new Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. Add note, I'm looking forward to it, people. Well, I, I'm totally, de- totally doing that, too. Yeah. I was telling a friend of mine who I know he's a big Lord of the Rings fan because his lock screen is a is a meme with uh, Aragon from Return of the King <laughs> about coffee. Oh, yeah. Um, but And he's a D&D nerd, so, you know, we all have an appreciation for Lord of the Rings. But... Do you know anything about have you when you look at the cast list for that is there anybody in there that's jumping out nada yet pretty sure that series is going to be go over big yep it's going to go over big and that's something that amazon is doing they're they're making a property they're doing a project yeah they're not worried about who's attached to it they know that their quality of output is going to be what justifies and to add even more credence to that with your your, your you know argument showing um let's go over to another streaming service that's going to have two shows coming out in the in the near future um disney plus you have she hulk at the end of this month and then andor at the end of september yes there's a couple names that are recognizable but for the most part it's mostly you know smaller actor actresses that the majority of the people that watch don't know about. Oh yeah. Well yeah. let's carry that forward and look at the fact that Disney plus has got a corner they're painting themselves into. Yeah. And we've got a, f- and it'll be a few years before some of their plans come to fruition, but we were talking about this at dinner. Yeah. You go to watch the TV content. What's the predominant theme of the TV content or the straight to the streaming, the Disney plus original shows. Yeah, outside of its uh, back catalog, the what's been new has been Marvel or Star Wars. So they know they have to come up with more content yes, to sir. draw people in. So they've greenlit Spiderwick Chronicles. There was an announcement uh, a couple weeks ago that Aragon, the Inheritance 
uh, story is coming. Uh, uh, Percy Jackson uh, series is coming. So they're doing, they're branching out. Yep. And not to but mention the Willow sequel. Well, yeah, yeah. the Willow yep. series coming out. Yeah. But the other, we, we, we've seen Willow. We've yeah. seen the cat. We've seen Willow's coming sooner, but these other three are still in various stages of development. Yeah. So and they're, they're planning ahead before we'll see them. They're definitely planning ahead and not to mention what, what props up uh, uh, Disney plus it depends on your market is like it's bundled in America with Hulu outside of uh, America. It's uh, what they call star, mm -hmm. which is part of the built-in program. So they're trying to curate more stuff outside of the known models. Yeah. So, I mean, glad they're branching out. Yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. Speaking of branching out, let's uh, shift over to uh, the whole, the big merger between Warner Brothers, HBO Max, and Dis Discovery Plus. Yes, sir. So, um, as a, as you know, uh, AT&T sold off their Warner Brothers um, uh, section off to Discovery Plus, which is uh, run by David Zaslav. And they came, the, the deal was finalized back in April of this year. Um, and they had their um, they had their uh, earnings call a few a few days ago, and what everybody thought was going to happen eventually is going to happen. They're going to merge the HBO Max platform and the Disney Plus together into one, and it Discovery should Plus. Discovery. Thank you. My mind's all I over know, here. It's the two D's. Yeah, D's. I don't know. Desire, despair. But Discovery Plus and HBO Max are going to merge, and. Uh, Early as summer 2023, uh, 2023, uh, 2024. So what's going to happen, which it makes sense. They're going to bring everything under one platform with all their curated material in one area. Eventually. That might be messy. It might be a little bit messy, but they're giving themselves enough time to build it out. Um, but also with the, with the messiness comes, you know, with a lot of, uh, oversight with a lot of the cross, um, cross uh platforming of certain things and with that it you know costs people some jobs uh some programming uh mismatch some being propped up even higher some being left to the wayside so in the earnings call they also uh propped up what are their major franchises what they're going to focus on which uh, a lot of people know you have the Dis discovery uh wing of all the episodes that are popular you have hbo's prime stuff like game of thrones and whatnot yeah, they prop up the fact that they're going to focus on harry potter but the one thing that they did say they're going to definitely focus on is dc yeah they're going to focus on dc and they they already have i mean batgirl was killed uh, a couple other projects were killed and it's they're restructuring the whole thing and one of the announcements that came out is they want to they want they are looking for their version of kevin feige and they're looking to do a 10-year plan for the dc films a lot like how marvel is always looking at a 10-year plan for their film for their interconnect their films so, so yeah they're looking for somebody that has that note and they, he went out, you know, Zaslav went out to got a consultant, a real good consultant who left Disney not too long ago, Alan Horn, who is uh, the one of the big influencers on the WB staff right now to figure out that head and also focus on quality over quantity. So instead of just shooting out all the different kind of versions of Batmans and all the different heroes, they're going to focus on quality over quantity and making Superman one of the main focuses of the next 10 years. 
to build out this DC universe. So, which they've tried a, a lot with uh, Superman, and I think it's just because they had so many, uh, so many heads in the kitchen that they couldn't figure out how to bring them in. Not to mention all the Justice League hoopla. But oh, yeah. I, even with some of the negatives, I think this is a positive because they are trying to is, they're trying to get through all the kinks. Yeah, especially if it's all right. Let's take a look at what's on the production slot and see. Okay, where's our return on investment for these things? And let's cut some projects now before we get too much further and kind of write things up. Because to be fair, it's like it's a huge amount of content. Like there's some stories about they've quietly removed content from HBO Max. Yep. And they're going to be streaming, trimming down a lot of content there. Yep. Um, to the point that some some analysts are speculating that if Warner Brothers isn't careful, they're going to end up killing what makes HBO HBO. Yep. So a lot of stuff that, you know, they've been killing, uh, pulling a lot of stuff off uh, HBO Max, which were, um, which was HBO Max focus and HBO Max originals, not the HBO properties. And that's where a lot of confusion comes in from the com consumer perspective is that not everything that HBO Max is HBO and not everything that HBO is HBO Max. Granted, everything that shows up on HBO shows up on HBO Max, but there is Max original stuff that they've been pulling off just to mention one thing that they pulled off is American Pickle which was mm -hmm. a Seth Rogen movie and they pulled off six or seven projects because they were just losing money just holding them there on the service because they had to pay out rights to other uh, uh, productions that were outside Warner Brothers that worked on that so that's fair um, but yeah so there's a lot of uh, condensing of things but hopefully it'll come out positive in the long run because the previous owners really didn't know what to do so yeah, yeah. so we will see uh stay tuned we'll we'll commentate on that as we know more yep streaming is the frontier and we'll all be ahead of the game and report it to you people as we see it yeah Alrighty. oh man so much stuff we talked about. Uh, yeah, let's end on some happy, funny things. Sure, let's hit those odds and ends. Oddies and endies, people. What do we got first? Are we sipping on something? Um, How about we get paid to eat candy? Okay, I think I want to do that. Let's go Wait, get paid. Tell me how I can get paid to eat candy. Well, uh, I'm a big kid. I don't need to get paid to get to eat candy. But, you know, somebody out there might want to get paid to eat yeah, candy. I, I, I want to. But anyways, if you want to find out how you can pay to eat candy, uh, you can go over to a... Canadian company where you can become a Canadian company's chief candy officer. So as reported in the NPR article, um, candies, uh, candy, uh, Canada's candy Funhouse is hiring quote, a chief candy officer according to a job posting on their website. So they say that, do you love all things candy and chocolate? Do you scuba? Um, do you? In moderation. Okay. Are you passionate about confectionery treats and exploring the unreleased and existing products maybe this what else do we got perfect position for you are you sure yeah because they're uh, okay. willing to pay a hundred thousand canadian uh annually for you to have this job yeah which translates over to 78k plus us dollars annually so yeah i think if i got paid to do that um you can go and uh do some candy and they say that applicants can be quote as young as five years old but must reside in north america so that means that there's plenty of countries in North America you could be living in and still get this job. Yep. Yeah, you can move down to Puerto Rico and get this job. So, 
All you gotta do is eat candy all the time. Okay. Yes, sir. Let's eat it. But what else are we gonna be doing? Well, we can't eat candy without having a drink. So let's uh, take a drink with some with another our, another story about uh, an official bourbon that in celebration of the anniversary of Assassin's Creed from Ubisoft. Okay. So as reported, uh, cancel. As reported in uh, Whiskey uh, Wash uh, website, um, Assassin's Creed, which everybody in the video game world, even maybe people that aren't familiar with video games, recognize Assassin's Creed. It's a very popular franchise. It's been over 15 years, uh, created by Ubisoft. So to celebrate this, quote, the company has teamed up with a licensing bottle and co distribution company to release an official bourbon for their 15th year. So... According to those behind it, it's been brought to the market by Anthem Studios. Rye spice with a wheat character and with hints of cherry, vanilla, and oak. Mmm, that sounds good. You know good. what? I might actually buy a bottle of this just for the yeah. just just to Heck, give it a shot. I might buy a bottle for my dad because he's the bourbon collector and he might be able to tell me if it's yay or nah. Oh, so. come on. You got to try it yourself. <laughs> okay, I will. I'll try it. So while we're sitting there going from our candy executive meetings to having a having a whiskey nightcap, we have to worry about home safety. Yes, you so got to be protected. Let's wrap this up with a guard cat saves the day. Yeah, guard cat saves the day. As reported through our uh, local affiliate, Wavy, uh, a Mississippi man said he was saved by his pet cat who helped prevent a robbery at his own oh, home. I heard about this. Yes. So Bandit, uh, quote, a 20-pound cat lives with her retired owner, Fred Everett, in Tupelo, suburb of Belden in Mississippi. So he said that, the, just to summarize the article, it was around 2.30, 3 a.m., and then the cat came and kind of pretty much warned him about somebody in the house. Uh, so somebody attempting to break in. Yeah. The cat came and was scratching and scratching and making a lot of ruckus. And was enough to scare off and wake him up and scare off the would-be robbers. Um. So yeah, so he got up and got it out, and the but and a quote ever said by the time he retrieved the handgun and returned to the kitchen, the would-be intruders had already fled. So yeah, gotta be thankful for those uh, animals that protect us. Yes, and you got plenty of them cats around here, so you're uh, well protected. <laughs> I say you're well protected. What do you so, say there, cat? He says, she says, yes. <laughs> oh, well, hey, that is odds and ends, and that is going to wrap us up. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yes. Oh, what do we got on the docket this weekend? I think we got an anime convention to go to, yep. and, 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 a, and a summer Aloha Fest. And... Yep, I'm going with the Superstar Anime, which is the annual anime convention here in Hampton Roads. Um, and a few other things that I'm doing. A comedy show, concert, Aloha. So it's going to be a busy weekend, but I'll talk oh, about okay. more next week, people. All right. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you everybody for checking us out, sticking with us. Uh, we'll see you again on our next episode. Uh, again, a shout out to Sirenscape for background music. Thank and you. Soundboards. Check them out, sirenscape.com. You want to support this? <coughs> Excuse me. If you want to support the studio, the best you can do that is to give us a like, a follow, a review, all of those things. Uh, you know, click on the click on the thumbs up. Give us a couple of stuff. Give us some. Give us a review. Tell us how we're doing. Leave a comment. Reach out to us. Suggestions. All those fun things. 
And if you want to do more, you can totally do that. Head over to patreon.com slash scuba studio where you can check out uh, check out our Patreon and consider joining a Patreon with sometimes post updates and whatnot there. But, you know, it's up to you. We're, we're going to we enjoy doing this. We're going to keep doing this. If you want to support us and help us help us grow and expand. That is great. If not, continue to enjoy this content. Like I said, share it, like it, give us a review and we'll uh, keep on charging. So, uh, yeah. Oh, right. I got my I got I got my custom URL for YouTube. It's now youtube.com slash scuba's studio. Uh Oh, check us out, people subscribe. Alrighty. Uh, until then, uh, we will y'all have stay safe. Have a good time. And we will see you all next week. Good night, everybody. Peace.